Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. It's Friday morning. You are here, hopefully, to take away some value from us once again. Now, today, I've got a new guest for you, somebody that has never been on our show before, somebody that's going to talk about a strategy that a lot of you use, but sometimes when I hear you use it, I want to strangle some of you. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about that today. The topic of today's conversation is going to be pertaining to subject to real estate investing. Now, today's guest is Jonathan Rexford. He happens to be the moderator of the Subject to Real Estate Investing group on Facebook. That's a private group on Facebook, one of the larger ones. I think he's got over 11,000 members now. Jonathan's got 30 years in the game, folks, 30 years in the game. Okay, that's all. That's like up to Larry Harbolt standards. Larry's at like 37, 38. He's in the same league here, okay, just to know who we're talking to. He's also a licensed agent, former developer. We're going to get into that as well in the show. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you there. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, man, what, a, what an honor to be on your show here. I've been listening to you here for, for a while, and man, I just really like, uh, like some of the good stuff that you put out. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I've been following you as well, and what I, one thing I like about the information that you put out on Subject 2 and, and Facebook as well in the group is that no BS, you know, you skip the bullshit, get right to the facts, right to the meat. You know, you're not out there trying to make a guru course. You're providing value to the marketplace. Thank you for that. First of all, before we even get started, thank you for that. I appreciate you taking the time to put some value out to the marketplace here. So thank you very much for that. I know the rest of us appreciate it. Well, you know, it's kind of like this. Real estate investing is a great strategy to make money. And uh, subject to is also a tool that should be in everybody's toolbox, but it's also dangerous. You know, you can't use a Phillips head screwdriver whenever you really need a flathead screwdriver. You know, having the right tool for the right job will help push the process along. And uh, over the years of learning certain strategies and so forth, I've I've learned quite a few things that can go wrong, mainly because I've made some of these mistakes myself. And if I can show people how to cut through the BS and just get right to the meat of the problem and help to avoid those strategies, I felt like that, you know, at the end of the day, I could just hang my hat on a hat rack and feel like I could just lay, lay my head down on a pillow. That's good. You know, sleep, the sleep at night, the feel good, it's important because if you feel good about what you're doing, I this is what I believe anyway. If I feel good about what I'm doing, I'm going to, I know that I'm providing value to other people, but I'll be honest with you, Jonathan, here's my, here's my, my, uh, my take on subject too, is it, I think it's abused. I think it's in a way 
because I would venture to guess that 90% of the people out there that I'm top running across doing subject twos, they're doing it. They're not advantaging the seller, to no advantage to the seller. In other words, they're doing it because they're your typical broke real estate investor. You know, the person that's out there pretending to be somebody that they're not. They're getting in under contract. They're taking title to these people's properties. They're not explaining to the sellers the risk for the seller. The sellers are clueless. They figure it out a couple months, a couple years later when they finally talk to somebody, a friend, a family, whatever, go, no, you're still on the hook. I, this is running rampant, Jonathan. And this is my issue with subject two. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. And it even goes even deeper than that, sir. Uh, because if you look at it, uh, you know, they are taking over the seller's credit. They're not taking over the seller's responsibility. And some of those abuses that we've seen in the industry is where they assign their contract or, you know, they'll take it in some form of nature into another entity and assign that entity. So they're, even though that people say, oh, we don't make promises, they're actually assigning their, their problems to somebody else. And it really sets up a seller for, uh, you know, for future problems. So, you know, it's kind of like, you need to be very conservative whenever you're approaching these types of transactions. You know, I've kind of adopted this philosophy that the deal must afford to pay for itself as an investment. Oh, amen. And I know that, and I know that this kind of seems like a cop out, but it really does. You know, with with subject to investing, uh, it is our responsibility to set up reserves <laughs> because Murphy does come around every week and can upset your apple cart. And if if Murphy gets in your tent and you're starting a spiral, the first thing that every responsible real estate investor that does invest in subject to is to uh, cover the seller, cover the seller situation. And I don't care if it's at risk of losing your own personal house or you sleeping in a car. Uh, that is the responsibility of every investor. And certainly uh, disclosing everything up front you know, the, the availability of future loans, which nobody can guarantee, you know, with, uh, with a, with a seller that, that did sell their house subject to these existing loans to you, uh, the, the availability for them to be able to get future financing, you know, you need to let them know that up front. Right. And, uh, because it is a possibility. And really, there's only one reason why a seller will allow you to take over their loans. It solves a problem for them, not necessarily monetarily, because even in today's market, you know, we can say it's a seller's market, buyer's market, but we can say right now comfortably a, a good house priced right can generally sell within 30 days and close within 60 all right. Right. So I don't I don't care what solution that you're I mean, uh, what problem that you're in. If if you are not in a something that is if you don't have a problem that is non-monetarily, the market can solve that. You know, so the the problem must be greater than the monetarily issue for somebody to take up your subject to such as death, divorce, sickness, right. whatever their situation is, that must weigh more than. The, the money issue. And, uh, but sometimes those, those problems are temporarily. And yes, sometimes we get a seller that will have short-term memory. And then uh, obviously they're wanting to go get future financing and so forth. So we're both on, so we have to operate on both sides of the fence when we come to disclose to them about getting future financing. The major abuses that I see is whenever people are assigning some of these deals out to other people. And 
you know, then we get and the seller will call the original uh, buyer of the property and say, hey, look, you know, this guy that you flipped my house to is hasn't made a payment in 90 days. Oh, and right. I just got served with a foreclosure notice. That's common. It, it, I hate to say that that is common. And I decided to, you know, I like the strategy of subject two. It's not all that we do, but I like that strategy because it allows us to be able to go in, fix the problem fast, which fix the problem with the seller, and also enable us to get a good property based on what it could afford to pay. Right. You know, the, the strategies that we use is that we don't put money in the properties. You know, that was kind of like one of my rules that I made up after my so-called, uh, my third life in real estate. <laughs> and though it hasn't been every 10 years as, as it may think, but, uh, I've decided not to put, put any money in real estate. You know, in my world, the money must come from five sources, either from seller, buyer, tenant, equity partner, or private lender, some form or some fashion. That's how the property must, have, must afford to pay for itself as an investment. And, uh, that's kind of the way that we approach these investments and how can we set up escrows or reserves on that, you know, on that business plan. You know, some people like buying subject to to hold them as rentals. Some people like to buy them and hold them as owner financing. Some will buy with intent to fix and flip, you know, so it is a great strategy, but putting something in the future, like I tell every seller that we do a business with, you know, the common question is, well, how long is this loan going to be in my name? And I'll look at the amortization schedule and I said, well, looks like you've got 280 months. Right. Because I can't make promises that, uh, that we're going to cash them out because I'm not going to do that. And they're totally disclosed up front. You know, but, you know, they understand that the, that they may have issues in the future to get a loan. Now there is a caveat to that, and this is on this is my plan. This is my this is my personal decision as a business owner. If it is a veteran, and they have a VA loan, and they're in a situation where they will do, that loan goes top priority to my list to get that that cashed out. That's, that's good to know. That's my personal belief. You know, and by the way, thank you for your service. Oh, I appreciate uh, that. You know, that, you know, that goes to the top priority for us. So if we cannot figure out a plan, okay, get this thing cashed out in two to five years, there's a good chance that we're, I'm just going to put my real estate agent hat on and say, look, we need to explore these options instead of you selling your house subject to the existing mortgage. And that's, you know, that's one I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that is I explain, I'm going to do an episode on the benefits of having a license. A lot of people think it, you know, they say to me, I've heard them say, well, I don't want to get my license because then I have, I'm, I'm required to disclose. I'm thinking to myself, what are you hiding in the first place? (laughs) I've never had a problem with disclosure and I own plenty, plenty of property that I've acquired off the MLS and off market and everything else. Never had an issue. My license getting in the way. I don't want to digress on that, but you mentioned a very important word, a very powerful word early on in what we just talked about, you said disclosure. And I think mm-hmm. this is some, this is probably, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this is the number one thing that wholesalers and whatever you want to call them, the bottom feeders of the society that are out there to, taking over these people's or going, taking these properties subject to the disclosure piece gets left out. A lot of times I'm hearing this. Mm-hmm. Is that your experience as well? That, ha- that has been my experience after when problems arise. 
Uh, and that's usually whenever I hear them. You know, uh, they're the the problem when problems arise. You know, whenever I'm called to come in to fix a certain situation, the seller may say, "Well, I didn't know I couldn't get a loan. Uh, you know, I didn't know that this could ruin my credit." Well, <laughs> I'm sorry if you didn't make your payment. It's going if you didn't make your payment and your buyer didn't make your payment, it's going to wreck your credit. So we can't we can't push everything over towards the investor when certain problems do arise. But I do believe that there is certain types of disclosure that needs to be told up front. And, for, and, and the biggest one is not necessarily the, uh, the quote, the due on sale clause, but the biggest one to me is that there is a possibility that, that if something happens to me, that your house, you could lose your house to foreclosure. Right. And it is, that, that's how bad it can get. All right. That's probably the worst thing they can get. Now, the worst thing you get is, of course, foreclosure and then a judgment later. But that is just about the worst thing that, that it can get. And that problem that the seller has must outweigh that uh, that situation. So if 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 a seller knows up front that, you know, hey, if I don't make my payment, this can happen. Right. Now, there should be some caveats in your paperwork that the seller can come back and regain control, you know, such as, you know, deeding it back and something should happen right. or, you know, so that they don't have to go through the processes of going through a so-called foreclosure because some of the, some of the deals that you do subject to may require secondary financing where you're paying some of the seller's equity back to them. Right. So that is an open door, but I also believe that there should be a way for them to get back if they ever are threatened with certain type of legal action and default in my world, even though that no one had called a lawyer and pulled their guns out yet, that is still a threat. You know, and there's, you know, there's some things that you can do uh, to set that up correctly. Now, uh, yeah. Speaking of setting up correctly, are you doing, you're, you've been doing this a long time. So for you, you've already got everything in place. The new guy listening to the show, use an attorney, don't use an attorney. Thoughts on that? Well, I've, uh, good and bad. Uh, first and foremost, you know, 10 years ago, uh, attorneys were doing these, doing these deals and, and title companies were doing these deals left and right. right. And I think due to the fact that, uh, because we had this recent, uh, crunch that we've had a lot of attorneys and a lot of title companies that have been so-called don't do these, or, you know, they may lose their, you know, insurance or their uh, malpractice insurance if they're closing these types of transactions. Uh, so, and I don't recommend this, but we're doing our own closings. Uh, but then again, I've got a, quite a few of these deals under my belt, right. and we can do these. So obviously, whenever you're doing these transactions, you should be closing them with with professionals. Paperwork can really uh, kill you in this business, you know. And what I mean by that, if you prepare the deed wrong. And let's say that you prepared the deed wrong on a property. You record the deed, 10 years goes by, and all of a sudden you're trying to sell this property. Well, there's nothing worse trying to find a seller 10 years down the road because, uh, like we have in the state of Florida, a husband and wife, and the husband was on the deed, but the wife, they got married during the uh, 
during the ownership and you never got something signed by the wife. Well, that's a recipe for disaster <laughs> right there. So now you have to go find the wife. And, uh, and God forbid something should happen during that 10 years, like a death of something of that nature, you know. Yeah, and of course, there's legal ways to, to clean that up, but why do that? And that's where professionals will come into play. You know, there for a while, we were able to use uh, attorneys and title companies because that was where the traditional closing was happening. That's where the people bought their house that they're selling you subject to. They went to a title company. But the day of the internet, we can pick up the phone, call a mobile notary, get a pair of legals, prepare the paperwork that we send them, and then send out a mobile notary, and we can wrap things up, you know, pretty quickly, and then the seller can move on with their lives, and then, you know, we can get a property these days. So in the event that something goes wrong, let's say we take a property subject to, for whatever reason, I, I can't pay the mortgage anymore for the seller, do you generally... I know this probably depends on the state and, and whatnot, but do you usually just allow, as far as a recourse for them to get the property back without foreclosure, do you just like pre-sign a quick claim deed or something or just put verbiage in some sort of an agreement or what does that look like in a general sense? Okay. Uh, for one, I've never had that situation. Right. Uh, when my downturn happened, one thing I can say, even though I may have uh, been on the conventional side of foreclosure, I've never lost a subject to because that's how that's how much I want, that's how much trust that I want them to give me. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that to me, I, I paid their payments before I made my other payments uh, because I don't want them to be harmed because I'm spiraling. But uh, I always had them hold a quit claim deed. Okay. That was signed by me and they would hold it. Now people say, well, they can go record the deed anytime. I'm going to tell you, I've never had that problem. Right. You know, is it going to happen to me? Probably. But, you know, if you if you have good rapport with a seller, you solve their problem and stay in communication with them. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, this, this is not a set it and forget it situation. You know, you build a relationship with these people. You know, they're... You know, you send, you know, with us, I'm sorry, with us, we send them greeting cards, you know, for, over the holidays, you know, we kind of maintain that relation. And some of these people I still see in my community, you know, that are local. So you need to kind of establish that rapport with people. And, you know, if there is a situation, you know, if there's, a, and this is, a, this has come up a few times, if there's a situation, the seller will call and say, hey, I'm trying to get a loan to buy uh, to buy my house, but I can't do it because, well, I want to go back into that file and I'm going to take a look at that situation. You know, you know what? I can do this. Let me go ahead and get this guy, uh, cleaned up nice. and cash me out. If that's one of the things. And I think that's the right thing to do. Now, could I be a, a hard nose and say, you know what? No, you sold me that house. That is where, you can start having a problem. So even though that this, even though we are in the driver's seat, and even though that they can record a quit claim deed, uh, which you know I, I'm always trying to help them out in a better situation. We help the seller out whenever they were in a problem, and now they have another problem. 
And as long as that problem does not upset my apple cart, which it rarely does, because again, these are just, these are more, you know, if you're a kid, you had marbles in a circle. All this is, is just another marble. Right. Go out and replace it with another marble. You know, like... It is, it is really, it is really that simple. Um, you know, and as far as the fault, the best thing I could say is give them the deed. Uh, there's some people that will go a little bit further than that. If, if you're making payments on them, chances are they already have a second mortgage. The last thing that I ever want to do is, uh, is everybody go for their lawyer, you know, go for the gun. Nothing ever works nobody there. wins at that point. Nobody wins. Absolutely. That's good advice, Jonathan. Now, Early on, you had said something that, that struck a nerve with me, and I think it's important. A good nerve, though. And you said you don't ever take on a property or take on an asset that it that it can't. In other words, you're not going to commit to somebody else. If somebody gets themselves in a bad mortgage and uh, they're in a, they're upside down, if the property can't cash flow, you're not going to take that property. This is what I understand, so I'm looking for clarity. You're not going to take that property subject to if it's not going to be a profitable venture. Be in my 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 impression there is because you know the deal will fail. Therefore, you will make the seller situation worse. Is that correct? That is correct. Now, as a caveat, we do have business models inside that circle, depending on a seller situation. Okay. And only the seller can decide if, that, if this type of business model will help them resolve the situation. And, uh, and again, it's all about disclosure. It's all about, you know, the foreclosure bomb can happen if they are in that situation. But if they have no equity, I mean, prime example, we're looking at a property now, it's worth, uh, worth somewhere around 390 payments or three, $3,500 a month rent on this thing going into it is right around 30 Four thirty-five. I might be able to get thirty-six. You know, that's a not that's a non-deal. Right. That's a non-deal. Now, is that a subject to deal? No, but there is a play there. There's there still is a play. A house that needs no work. Situation is, I need to get out because of the debt service of job location. So we're able, we're still able to do a deal like that. It's just nothing that we're going to stay in play. Okay. And uh, and that would be something that we would not assign a subject to, but we may use the other form of real estate investing, you know, such as contract for deed, agreement for deed, of those natures, to be able to help the seller make a make a little cabbage along the way, and uh, give a good house to a good buyer, and still uh, hang my hat on a hat rack. Good deal. Now I, you talked about assignments, and what I see. And, and I don't, I'm, admittedly, I don't do a lot of assignments. I'm my, my main focus for those of you that aren't paying attention on the show or you can, and you're listening now. Um, my main focus is I raise capital to buy small to medium sized apartment buildings and to buy non performing notes, which in other words, I invest in debt. Basically, what that means. That said, with the assignment side of things, and I used to do a lot of wholesaling and then I've also done uh, assigning and things like that, depending on, you know, like you said, Whatever the shoe fits, there's a, I've got a toolbox full of tools. We use different tools with the assignments, Jonathan. I see people taking these properties subject to getting an assignment agreement in place, but they don't even have a buyer. So my question always is, how did you know what numbers to go with if you don't have a buyer? So is that kind of how you look at it or what is your take on that? 
Well, if we can reverse engineer it. Uh, you know, the proper way, of course, is find out who my buyer is. You know, either it being a now again, we're not assigning subject to agreements. Uh, that's kind of like I'm like the main guy that says don't do it. I hate it because again, you're assigning problems or clarity. You're, you're assigning, not. Let you're, me make sure we're clear here because I don't think they caught that. You're saying do not assign a subject to deal. Do not assign a subject to deal. Thank you. Perfect. All right. Because because what happens is whenever you do a typical subject to deal, is you're you're taking title. I don't care how you take it, land, uh, land trust, LLC, whatever. And then you want to now. Again, we're assigning the contract. We're not selling the house. Uh, but whenever you assign that contract, you are assigning the problems, the ability to perform on this agreement. So with that being said, there is another business model that can still put the seller in a controlled interest, which is what we were just talking about earlier with uh, agreement for deed or contract for deed, that still retains legal ownership, but, not, but now the buyer has equitable ownership. And uh, I mean, that's a whole different podcast. Right. Uh, right there in itself. But we don't assign subject to agreements. You know, prime example back in, even now, people will, and again, if this is foreign, we can go in deeper, you know, by Larry's trust on uh, land trust, uh, or uh, by Larry's course on land trust. You can go in there and uh, uh, put a property into a land trust and then assign the beneficial land trust. Well, that is where problems just blow up because it's it, it, everything we just discussed can happen at that level. Right. So I just don't do it. Don't do it. You know, don't do it. I mean, every now and then we have people coming into a group. Can I sign this contract? And I, you know, there's about three or four of us that says, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, I wish, Jonathan, there were more people that were giving this advice out there because mm -hmm. the usually what I hear, and you know, you see on Facebook and what I hear the gurus preaching is all this creative, well, I'll call it creative, it's not creative, it's called, in my opinion, it's lazy exit strategies because, you know, they're preying on people that are, are not savvy enough to follow through on these agreements. So they're out there making agreements. They don't have a nickel to their name. They're out there taking these properties under under contract. They're closing on them subject to. They're assigning their rights in the contract over to some stranger who has no money invested in the deal outside of the assignment fee. Things go mm -hmm. wrong. He decides not to carry on or she decides not to carry on. The poor seller is left holding the bag. And it's refreshing to kind of hear to hear you say, absolutely, do not assign these contracts because what you're really doing is you're you can't assign your responsibility. I mean, I know you can literally, but how do you effectively say that's like saying, Hey, go ahead and raise my kid. I mean, that it's not maybe not to that extreme, but to me it is because it's, it's your word. It's when you take a property subject to it's an honor statement. I mean, you're really making a commitment to that seller that you're going to do right by them. Is that correct? It is correct. Tyler. The way that we, the way that I look at it, it is an honor. Because it has kept me from going to the bank. It's kept me from signing personally on for debt. It's kept me from putting my family at risk, you know, from from going to the from going to the bank. Right. 
And that is, that is such an honor right there. And for us to be able to assign that honor to somebody else is a quick way to get this honor. And, you know, to me, it's almost a, I mean, it's a sin. <laughs> I mean, I'll just call it what it is. I mean, it's whenever you, when you give somebody your word and yeah, we can play legalistic right. on, on, you know, with contracts and so forth. Uh, you know, well, you agreed to this, but really when it boils down at night, you're always going to have that angel in one year going to say, well, you should do this. And you want to have the devil on the other side. It's going to say, it's okay. And uh, we've all seen that little video or seen those movies that, that play that scenario in your head. Uh, you know, but here's a, here's, here's some of, some of the things with today's teaching, the way that the gurus are, are teaching the difference between assigning a, you know, selling a contract or selling a house. We both know in our state, if you're trying to assign a house, I'm sorry, trying to assign a, a contract that that's okay if you sell the contract, right. but if you're trying to sell a house that you don't own, it's a violation of chapter 475 of Florida statutes. Yes, sir. You know, because you are practicing real estate without a license. Now, that's the same thing whenever you're getting with the subject to. I can take a three-page contract agreement, say, I'm going to buy your house subject to based on these numbers, package it nice and pretty, and go to a real estate investor meeting and say, hey, first person with $3,000 gets this contract. You know, and I can package it up, you know, as far as title and so forth and sure. say this is what you have. Because it's not a condition of clear titles due and assignment of contract, but it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's why we never want to put a seller in that position. And buyer, too, because, frankly, whenever things go south, it's not buyer and, and seller. It, you know, who put this transaction together? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and who needs those headaches? Do good business with good people. And, you know, 30 years from now, you may be doing another podcast just like this. There you go. Yeah, they say karma's a bitch if you don't do it right the first time. That's true. That's <laughs> Things may true. come back to haunt you. <laughs> Lastly, before we wrap up, I want to talk yes, briefly about um, title insurance. I'm a big believer. This is just me. Uh, you may or may not be, the, and I'm curious your take on it, but. Some of what I see going on in the industry, especially by the quote unquote wholesalers, they're they're they don't even know what title insurance is, number one. So the buyers, usually new investors that are unsuspecting, don't know any better. They're buying these properties that are wrought with with title issues. They're the title policies, mm-hmm. if issued, have five pages of exceptions on them. Nobody ever breaks it down. I think I'm one of the only realtors in the Tampa Bay market that actually sits down with my buyers and says, Page one, here's this exception. This is what this means. Initial here, initial here. Mm-hmm. I won't let my buyers take title unless they be, they sign away their life and they fully understand it. What we do is require the seller to and the title company to mark up the, the commitments to make sure all those exceptions are relieved. I can imagine subject to with title insurance, that is automatically going to be an exception to the title insurance, the, the note since it carries forward. What should people be worried about or be concerned about or focused on is probably a better way as a, if you're, if you're taking a property subject to you as the buyer okay. are going to want protection there, right? Okay. First and foremost, uh, getting now, again, my title insurance friends and attorney friends here in Florida will probably throw a rope around my neck when I mention this, <laughs> uh, getting title insurance for subject to is a waste of money. 
Okay. All right. Because what you just said, they cannot remove those exceptions. I mean, they're going to put exceptions in there because of, of existing liens that are on the property. They can't write the policy unless that they do, because you can't satisfy something that's not being satisfied. Right. What, what we do in our office is that we certainly get a title commitment, or some will call uh, an owner's and a coverage report, just kind of like a brief peak, which is a little bit less than a title commitment. Title commitment takes a little bit longer to get, but we pay for that commitment, and we're looking at that commitment on a certain level. But we do a little bit more due diligence on we go deeper in our office. We check the seller out left and right. You know, we're digging deep into uh, going into Facebook, looking at what their lives are like. They're going into, into the courthouse, researching their name, be sure they don't have any uh, liens or judgments or open lawsuits uh, of that nature. We're uh, looking to find out if there's any criminal stuff in there that might, that might come up. And on top of that, then we're taking a look if it's inside a municipality that may provide services such as gas, electrical, water, you know, utilities. You know, we're looking at that level to find out if there's any open bills or liens of, of that nature. So, we're, you know, we're checking those out. We're calling the building department to find out if there's any open uh, permits on the property. You know, if you've been in Florida longer than, longer than 20 years, the 04 hurricanes get a lot of open permits that are still out there. So we want to be sure that those are closed or we know that this is an exception and we're willing to take that risk. So we're going a little bit deeper than that. It's not just, you know, sign here, press hard, third copy is yours right. to get that to get the deal done. You have to do your due diligence. And that's just on the buy side. We haven't even talked about the selling side. Right. You know, and we do the same thing with a when we sell the property. We research the buyers. Because again, this is a relationship. This is a relationship with a buy with a seller, and we want to be sure that we know what we're buying. Uh, you know, in the beginning, I tried to get title insurance. I couldn't give. I could not get a seller to give me. I mean, I could not get a title company to give me title insurance. I finally talked to one. Said, "Well, we could, but we have to exclude this and this and this." And after I started looking at it, I'm thinking, "Well, okay, this this is real easy." You know, I've been in a business. Uh, at that time, I said I could do this myself and save myself, uh, you know, four hundred ninety-five dollars. And for those of you listening, just some of you may not realize what the exceptions are on the policies and what that really means. And and when the issue of uh, title insurance is just that, it's insurance, and it it basically insures the title against defects. So in the event there are defects in the title, in the chain of title, or something goes wrong with the and the ownership may be in question. This insurance policy basically pays the legal beagles to go sort it out. It pays the title companies to go chase after the information. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Jonathan, and 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 take the steps necessary to correct and restore the marketability of title. That said, they are insurance companies, just like your car insurance says, "Hey, dummy, if you get drunk and get in a car accident and kill somebody, we are excluding that coverage from the policy. If you're if that happens, you don't have any coverage." We will cover you if you're driving down the street and do something stupid, provided you're not drunk. That's an ex exception to the policy exclusion, so to speak. The same thing with title insurance. They're going to say, hey, this uh, property has the mortgage isn't is carrying forward to the new owner. So it's it, the property is they're conveying title subject to 
the existing mortgage. And Jonathan, to your point, in that case, title insurance kind of becomes silly because it, it, you've already got a subject to situation. You've already carrying debt over. I mean, if you you are going further, so in other words, you're providing yourself more protection by doing additional due diligence to be looking for the things that you would be insuring against in the first place. Correct. Perfect. Outstanding. Correct. And the rest and, of the time, and, you're a believer in title insurance outside of the subject to scenario. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, because if you don't, you're you're just walking around with an loaded gun with two bullets missing. Jonathan, you've yeah. been in the business 30 years. A uh, long time. A lot longer than I have. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at, I don't even know how much. 18 years now, I think. With a break in the middle. Mm -hmm. So, I know that you, you've you got the group. you got 11,000 members in the group. You're, you're a great mentor to the masses, me included. If people want to reach out to you, I don't know, do you offer any sort of a coaching program, anything like that, where they can take things to, I know you do some calls and stuff like that, where you add more value. How do people reach out and find more up for, find out more about that? Can't talk this morning. Well, you can search me on Facebook, Jonathan Rexford on Facebook, Jonathan D Rexford. Okay. Uh, that's one way to get a hold of me. Uh, my phone number, I, I never turned down a phone call from anybody. Uh, you know, and my email, John Dale N. Rexford, R-E-X-F-O-R-D, at gmail.com. Those are primarily going to be the better ways to get a hold of me. Uh, we do have a couple programs available. Uh, one is I have a joint venture because we like doing these deals nationwide. And the, the reason that I started doing that was that, you know, this downturn that we've had, I pretty much had went from uh, hero to zero and I decided I didn't have another 30 years to rebuild what I lost. I mean, at age 50, I don't want to take, I don't want to be doing this at age 80. Uh, so I decided to go wide instead of deep and able to take some of the knowledge that I have and to help people, you know, into those uh, JV programs. Now, it is a paid program. And, uh, you know, we have a little phone conversation first. And uh, currently right now I'm doing a subject to workshop where I'm kind of taking people uh, from beginning to the end to do a transaction. And, uh, we're, we're doing that. It's kind of like a little secret Facebook group. We're using the power of technology, able to keep the cost low. You know, we meet about an hour once a week. And then I do my daily little videos, little four or five minute tidbits of what we're working on this, this week, like last night's video, uh, last night's uh, webinar that we did for the training, we talked about how to talk to a seller you know, type of scripting and stuff to use. So we're kind of diving into those little things. And, you know, we have little one-on-one -on -one coaching programs, just about like any experienced investor does. Uh, but, you know, just kind of, like I said, I never turn down a call with somebody that, that has a, uh, that may have a problem that they need fixed, that they need fixing or just an idea for a push. That's good news. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. I'm going to put Jonathan's number in the show notes in his email. I'll have him send me that. We'll get that in the show notes. So if you're interested in reaching out to Jonathan, you want to take things to the next step, you want to uh, join the subject to real estate group or take part in one of his, his coaching programs or, or mentoring programs, by all means, reach out. Good guy. I've been following Jonathan for a while. Great guy. Definitely knows his stuff. Well endorsed. Uh, even Larry Harbolt knows him very well. So just a great guy. And Jonathan, I really appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on. I love, I learned a lot in this episode, number one, which is why, selfishly, that's why I invited you on the show. I want you to get value to the audience, but 
I know that you would add value to me as well. I figure if I'm getting the value, everybody else can get it by osmosis. Everybody's a winner, right? That's correct, and and likewise. I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship. Otherwise, it wouldn't been on your call today. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap this week's of the Cash Flow Guys podcast. I hope you uh, took this and paid attention to what was said here. My overarching theme that I'm picking up from this uh, this this episode and what Jonathan is saying is, folks, do good, honest business. You hear me say this all the time on the show. Here's another person. You're going to get caught if you're not taking care of people and solving their problems. That's what this real estate game is all about. It's about taking care of other people, taking care of your fellow American, doing right by folks, sleep at night with a big fat smile on your face. It's okay to make money provided you come by it honestly and ethically. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap this week. If you want to get, if you are stuck, you want to get things going to the next level, as always, I'm, I have some availability coming up soon, probably next two months for my Ask Tyler calls. Those are free, 30-minute consultation on Friday afternoons. How you get there, you go to cashflowguys.com forward slash Ask Tyler, A-S-K-T-Y-L-E-R. That is a free 30-minute uh, no-cost consultation, anything you need. You want to talk about the weather. I won't talk politics or religion, but I will talk real estate. And uh, feel free to reach out, get on the phone. If you need me to help you get unstuck, get your point in the right direction, so be it. Make that happen. Until then, we'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.